Hello, Desert Breeze. This is Pastor Scott coming to you from Sanitary Cyberspace with the latest coronavirus update for Desert Breeze Community Church. Wait a minute. There's computer viruses. Oh, that's different. Anyways, to get to the serious stuff, um, Desert Breeze family, it's been with uh, great, a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, seeking God's wisdom uh, that the pastors and elders have decided that it's best to not meet for weekend services uh, this weekend, which is March 21st and 22nd, and also next weekend, March 28th and 29th. So this will include any groups that are either scheduled or ongoing that are uh, 10 or more, uh, but it will not include those groups 10 and under, and I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, we're going to be evaluating the situation as we go, and uh, we hope to reconvene as soon as possible possibly April 4th or 5th, but of course the situation will dictate our decisions and we're going to be monitoring that as closely as we can and we'll communicate to you appropriately. Uh, those groups that meet uh, here at the church campus that are under 10, we're going to continue to allow them to meet, but with uh, due precautions and strict precautions, um, but also only if the leaders think that they want to do that. Um, we have a very talented staff here at Desert Breeze that's uh, helping us through this, and they're going to be creating an in-home church alternative for everybody that will be user as user-friendly as possible. And what we're really encouraging our entire church family to do is to get together with family and friends and neighbors and those in your small group to do church together. And so the focus needs to be including watching the online teaching that we post on our website. We especially encourage you to invite those that uh, are technologically challenged. We want you to go through the sermon notes and the growing notes together. We certainly want you to pray together. And also we want you to think about meeting the needs of one another. Reach inside your group and find out where people are at and what needs they might have. We also hope to provide content for kids as well. Uh, how we came to this decision is that it's in keeping with the governor's announcement to ban groups of 50 or more as well as the 15 ban on gatherings of over 10. And as Christians, we are called uh, in Romans 13, 1 through 7, to cooperate with the government that God has placed over us and to thumb our noses at the recommendations and directions that they've been giving us would be unbiblical and, and God-dishonoring. Um, and so we want you to join us in doing our part to try and prevent or at least lessen the spreading of COVID-19. In all this, let's remember also what Hebrews 10, 23, and 25 sa uh, says. Um, While for a short time we aren't meeting together corporately, we are strongly encouraging you to continue to meet together in a safer small group setting. And as this scripture says, without wearying, without wavering, continuing to stir one another up to love and good works, not habitually neglecting to meet, but instead encouraging one another. If anything, this coronavirus 19 crisis should bring us closer together and closer as a church family. It is a real test of our faithfulness in Christ and our faithfulness to our church, both inside the church building and outside the church building. Also consider that as Christians, we value human life and the preservation of life. This has been a difficult decision to meet, but it's not a habitual neglect or disregard for faithful church service. We've been faithful as a church to have church services for the last 29 years, and it's actually a loving, sacrificial, life-protecting responsibility that we believe we are obligated to for the good of many. So we encourage our church members to do what they can to help those who are in need, not only within their groups, but to rally together as a group, to reach out into the community to meet other needs with due cautions. The question is, will we, the church, at this moment, stick together in small groups and be faithful to God's teaching and do, as Romans 12, 12 says, to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer? Will we rally together to meet the needs around us and in doing so serve to advance the joy and the faith of others in Christ and even to others 
who have heard the gospel for the first time and may have a newfound faith in Christ. I believe this is our calling as a church. And being the church means so much more than weekend services at a particular location. We are to be genuine, growing, giving Christians, spreading the hope and good news of the gospel, being salt and light to the world around us, all to the glory of God. This kind of courage cannot be reckless or dismissive, ignoring wise public precaution. One of the most loving things that we can do now is to limit and slow down the spreading of this virus together. But this kind of courage also must be ready in the days to come to step up as Christians where we're needed and where few will be willing to step up or will be able to step up. There are food banks and hospitals and all kinds of places that are going to need, need people's help. So moving forward, our website will be our main source of communication and will be supported by social media like Facebook and Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. And we encourage you to check that often for updates like this, but also to uh, connect with your church family and, of course, listen to the sermon. We'll be opening up a comments feature on the sermon page to help us stay connected and to answer questions that people may have about the teaching. We are also working on providing sermon content for those people in our Desert Breeze Community Church family who are deaf. Going completely online is really new for us, so please be patient as we do our very best to get it right. Our pastors and staff are developing a communication campaign to reach as far as we can toward our church family to offer encouragement and support and to strengthen our unity in Christ. If you're in need of help that you can't find, we encourage you to call the church office during normal business hours. That is 602-374-4588. And we will do our best to try and find you the help that you need. And we will maintain our current office hours of Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we will be spending our time communicating and reaching out and helping our church family and community as much as we can. And so we are asking you all to join us in remembering what we've always said. Do not be paranoid. Do not be passive. But instead, be prayerful and prepared and prudent. And we must do this together, all to the glory of God. God bless you very much, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Hey, Desert Breeze, thank you for joining us. Let's worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, together. song.
sing together of the need of our great and glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. trying times like these, let's remember that our peace and our joy is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know that we have incredible hope and we can sing that it is well with my soul. Let's sing together. When peace like a river
God, I ask that you continue to remind us of your omniscience, your omnipresence, and your omnipotence and the covenant that you have made with us so that we can be sure when we say it is well with our soul, we know it is well indeed. God, in the midst of these trying times, help us to look to your word as our sufficient clear and necessary authority. We love you. We ask that you would open our eyes to the truth in your word as we hear your word preached and declared. We love you and we are desperate for you. It's in your precious name that together we say, amen. Hey, Desert Breeze family and friends, thanks for watching. We encourage you to get together in your life groups or family and friends or, or with neighbors and watch this uh, together, working through 
our growing notes. We've been working our way through 1 John, and the title of this series has been Know That You Know God. And uh, we've come now to the characteristics of fellowship. We've looked at purity of life, practice of righteousness, uh, love in deed and truth, and now we talk about experience God's love, to experience God's love. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 21. I'll be reading the text in just a, a few moments. But also grab, if you've got your sermon notes there handy, um, uh, take a look at the intro there. Our love for God and others grows out of an experience of God's love for us. And um, you can't just grit your teeth and try harder to be a more loving person. I, I know because I've tried. doesn't work. But true spiritual fruit of love, joy, and peace comes from being swept up in intimate loving encounters with Jesus Christ. So there's three questions we're going to look at through this study, and, and that is, how do we really know God loves us? I believe that in First John here in this text answers that question for us. And the second question is, how can we experience God's love? And uh, the third question is, what difference will his love make in my life? And so, let me begin with a word of prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Let's ask for God's help as we work through this text. Father God, we know that it is more, it is, is, it is one thing to know in our head that you love us. Most people know that. But it is altogether another thing to experience your boundless and irresistible love in our hearts. So we ask through the study of your word and the work of your Holy Spirit that we would be swept up into into an intimate, loving encounter with you. And may the experience of your love chase away the fears in our lives and increase our love for one another. And, uh, and, and we also pray all of this in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. Let me read the text here for you. Uh, as I said, it's chapter Four, we're looking at we're looking at verses seven all the way to the end of the chapter. Chapter, follow with me as I work through the the text here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he is in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love but perfect love cast out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not 
Love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Now let's work through our outline here. First question is how do we really know that God loves us? And uh, and. Let me respond by saying, first of all, it is not based on our performance, our emotions, or our circumstances. Let me just kind of walk through each one of those. So it is not based on our performance. We don't love him to get his love. Uh, Verse 19 of our text, we love him because he first loved us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's by God's unmerited favor. He puts faith in our hearts. We exercise that faith. We believe in him, and and through that, we can begin to experience more and more of his love. We have his love and presence by grace through faith in Christ. And his love and presence are all you need for everlasting joy. And, uh, and that comes to us as a gift. So it's not based on our performance. We have a lot of highs and lows in our performance, nor is it based on our emotions. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we live by faith and not by sight or not by feelings. Emotions reveal our values and evaluation of life's circumstances. And obviously the panic for so many people over this coronavirus is evidence of of misplaced hope. But uh, the Bible teaches us that we don't feel our way into beliefs we believe our way into our feelings. And, um, but, but you have to keep in mind that all the, all the believing in the world doesn't guarantee good feelings, especially in our fallen world. There's a psalm, Psalm 88 is an example of this. The psalm actually ends as the, as the psalmist is trying to process life and work through the difficulties of life, and he basically ends by saying that darkness is my closest friend. Sometimes we're there. Sometimes no matter how much we believe, our feelings just can't get caught up to, to the reality of our beliefs. And, uh, and so what do we need to do? Don't, don't express or repress your emotions, but, but work hard through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's word. Reorder your, your emotions according to God's word. Great example of this is, is obviously the, the whole book of Psalms, but, but particularly Psalm 42, where the psalmist is struggling and says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Put your hope in God. So you can, you can hear him. He's, that's obviously self-talk, and he's really preaching the gospel to himself as he's trying to work through those negative emotions. So God's love for us is not based on our performance or emotions or our circumstances. James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, so let perseverance uh, have its perfect work in you so that you may be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. He's just talking about maturity, but notice he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when, not if, you face trials of many kinds, but when, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Trials are, are inevitable in this fallen world. And so good circumstances are no guarantee of his love, just as bad circumstances are no guarantee of his displeasure. As we said last weekend, let me, let me remind you of this, God never promised us a painless or problem-free life, but he did promise us his presence, his power, and his peace to face anything. Uh, John 16, 33 Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love that, I love that verse. It's just a reminder that we have our hope in Christ Jesus. Now, 
So we don't determine whether God loves us by our performance or our emotions or our circumstances because they can fluctuate and be very deceiving. But God's love for us is based on, let me give you these three, it is based on the gift of his son who bore our judgment and gave us life through him. Let's walk through each of those. They're part of the text here. So the gift of his son, verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. And then verse 14. The father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And so the gift of his son. So we base God's love for us on the gift of his son to us, but also his son who bore our judgment. That's the second basis. So the gift of his son who bore our judgment. Verse 10, God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what does that word mean anyway? Well, it means that Jesus bore our judgment all of the judgment that was meant for us because of our sins, it was placed on Jesus on our behalf. The word propitiation, the first part of that is pro. It means God is for us because of what Christ has done uh, in our behalf. He died in our place for our sins. And it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, talking about Jesus He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we are able to stand perfectly righteous before God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so it is based, God's love for us is based on the gift of his son who bore our judgment, and here's the third one, and gave us life through him. Verse 9 of our text. God sent his son so that we might live through him. Verse 14, the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. So what does that mean that he's, he's saving the world? He's saving us from death and giving us fullness of life. Listen to what Romans 5.10 uh, tells us about this life that we have in him. He says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, I love that, that's beautiful, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And so there is a quality, and obviously we know that there's a quantity of life. We want to live forever in heaven with, with God. But there's a quality of life, a love, joy, and peace in Christ that all the success in this world can't give you and all the suffering in this world can't take from you. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, just think about what we have in Christ that the world doesn't have. I mean, we have the wealth of his presence, never to leave us or forsake us. We need to be reminded daily of who it is that walks through our day with us. But not only do we have the wealth of his, his presence, but we have the comfort of his love. And as you will see, in the, as you saw in the text, and as we'll talk about a little bit later on, is that his perfect love chases away the fears in our lives. So we have the wealth of his presence, the comfort of his love, the strength of his power, Uh, whatever you're facing, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, as we studied last week in 1 John 4, 4. And then we also have the significance, the amazing significance of being a child of God. And so our gratitude and astonishment at the gift of the Son is, is proportional to the depth of our understanding of the seriousness of our sin. It is in dealing with our sin problem that God's love is most clearly displayed. I was reading a, uh, a devotional for my grandkids this morning. They spent the night and uh, we got up and had uh, French toast, great morning, and then we typically, when our grandkids are over there, also, we had six of our grandkids, uh, we'll do family devotions and have them kind of work on some scripture memory. But I read this story to them, and I thought it was, it was really an appropriate story for illustrating what I just said. It's called The Missing Shovel, and it's, it's based on 
the memoirs of Ernest Gordon, World War II British soldier who was captured by the Japanese to work the Death Railroad is what it was called. Thousands and thousands of soldiers were, were died building this railroad along the valley of the Kwai River in Thailand. And some of you are probably familiar with the classic movie Bridge Over the River Kwai. And so in his memoirs, he talked about uh, something that happened. And let me read the story here. It's called The Missing Shovel. In World War II, prisoners of war were building a railroad. And after their day's work, the shovels were counted. The guard became enraged. One was missing. The prisoners were lined up and ordered to stand there until someone admitted they'd stolen the shovel. No one said it was them. The guard shouted. Still no one budged. The guard threatened to kill all of them unless someone owned up. And at last, one man stepped forward and said that he had done it. And the guard killed him on the spot. Later at the guardhouse, the tools were recounted. No shovel was missing. The innocent man had sacrificed his life to save the others. And I love this. This is from Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. And, uh, and, and the writer continues on and says, 2,000 years ago, an innocent man stepped forward for us and sacrificed his life to save us, to save us. John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what Jesus has done for us. And that's an, certainly an expression of his love. It's, 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 it's so important to always come back to that if you want to be reminded of his love. When you are tempted to look at your performance, your emotions, your circumstances, and draw the conclusion that God doesn't care for you or he doesn't love me, you must fix your eyes instead on these three gifts, the gift of his son who bore our judgment and gave us life through him. Lose yourself in the wonder of his love for you. Nothing can overthrow the testimony of these three gifts. So let's take a look at the second question. So how can I experience this love? How can I experience God's love? And uh, so you need to, in our text, it teaches us that we need to confess, first confess Jesus is Lord, second abide in him, and number three, be sensitive to his spirit. Let's take each one of those. And uh, so the first one, confess Jesus is Lord. Uh, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. The only reason why we would want God is because he first wanted us. It's preemptive love. And he's the one that begins to stir up faith within us and uh, begins to work in our lives, and we only are responding to him, so he says in verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord, the only reason why you'd be able to do that is because God's working in your life. The only reason why you would even want God is because he first wanted you, as was said. And so he says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So confession, we talked about it last weekend. Confession is more than agreement with facts in the head. It's an appetite for God in the heart that exceeds all other appetites in your life. You begin to see, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you begin to see Christ Jesus as your greatest treasure and your deepest pleasure. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved, is born again. So the first one is to confess Jesus as Lord. Second one, we're talking about wanting to really experience his love in our heart. Obviously, you first of all really need to be born again and respond to his love by, by looking to him as your Lord and Savior, repenting and believing in him. And the second one is to, to begin to abide in him. 
Look what it says in verses 16 through 17. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now, the Greek word for abide is the word meno, and it means literally to make your home in his love to make your home in his love, feeling it, saturating yourself with it, reflecting on it, standing in awe of it. And believe me, if you do that regularly and let him love you, spiritual fruit will naturally spring up. I, I think that first, uh, actually Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 through 17 explains what this abiding in his love is all about. The, the Apostle Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus and he says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory that he may strengthen you in your inner being through the Holy Spirit so that, so that Christ would dwell in your heart and that you would be rooted and established in his love so that along with all of God's saints, you may be able to grasp, to, to get a hold of, to experience, to grasp the depth, the height, the length, and the width of his love, this love that goes beyond our understanding it's that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Perfect example, just basking in the reality of his love each and every day. And, and ex just exploring the height, the depth, the width, the length of his love. The third thing of experiencing God's love, so first confess Jesus as Lord, second abide in him, third one is be sensitive to his Holy Spirit. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. He's given us of his spirit. And so, Nothing will keep you from being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and experiencing God's love like hurry and volume. Now, hurry is different from being busy. It's okay to be busy, but when you're in a hurry, I know that when I'm in a hurry, I'm not sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit within me, and, and therefore I don't always respond to things appropriately. And also volume, what I mean by volume is TV, radio, social media, surfing the internet, Netflix, whatever. All this stuff is a distraction. We need to have times in our lives where we just sit and bask in the reality of God's love and truth for us. And listen to what it says in Romans 5.5. 5. It says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So it's the Holy Spirit begins to pour God's love into our hearts, so we've got to be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5, and 6 puts it this way. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So we're either setting our minds on the things of the flesh, maybe a hurry and volume, and... and as opposed to setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. And so we've got to make a conscious effort to, to focus on the Holy Spirit in our life. Listen to what he says in verse 6. So Romans 8, 5, and 6, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And so, three things that we need to do if we're going to experience God's love. Confess Jesus as Lord, that's the first one. Second one, abide in him. Third one is to be sensitive to his Holy Spirit. So what difference will his love make in my life? Well, here's the first difference, that you will not have fear, no fear. That's your fill in the blank there on your notes. Verse 18, he says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Oh my goodness, I love that verse. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So let me ask you this question. What is your greatest fear? Financial bankruptcy? Or to have the stock market crash? 
being jobless or homeless, fighting a terminal disease, sudden loss of a close friend or spouse, the, ste- the devastating loss of a child, actually all of those pale in comparison to, to the punishment that awaits those who have rejected God's only way of salvation through his son. I mean, that's what he's saying here. He's talking about that judgment for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And then later on in verse 17, or earlier in verse 17, he says, by this, by abiding in his love, by abiding in him, love is perfected with us so that we have confidence for the day of judgment. Believe me, the day of judgment is our worst crisis that we could ever face. And because of the sacrificial love of Christ, the indispensable and costly sacrificial love of Christ, we don't have to face that judgment. We are righteous before God because of the work, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and so the more you are perfected, the more you are mature in his love, the less fear you will have. And so oftentimes when I'm feeling anxious or worried or stressed out, I, I have to come back to God's love. I'm not being perfected in his love. And, and, and what this is, this is contentment. And we spent a whole series talking about contentment almost a year ago as we worked our way through Psalm 23. But contentment is, is the inward, gracious, quiet spirit that joyfully rests in the presence and the providence of God. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, uh, let me just summarize it in one statement. Those verses are really great verses to read, especially if you're extremely anxious. But, but his love and his care for us eliminates the worry and the anxiety and the stress in our life. And I, I, I don't know if you have noticed, but uh, through this coronavirus, God is dealing with our idols. Now, an idol is anything that we love uh, more than we love God. And, uh, and that's the big battle within our hearts. But what kind of idols is God dealing with? Well, how about our health or money, or jobs, or stock market, or vacations, or going out to eat, or professional sports, they've all been canceled. No more professional sports for a while. Going to the movies, shopping, and you could add to that list. You see, this coronavirus is a test. It's a test to see where your trust really is. And so the first thing that his love does is that we have no fear, but here's the second thing is that we have love for others. We have love for others, verses seven through eight. We used to sing a song in church based on these two verses. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He goes on in verse 20, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, and this commandment, this is the last verse in our text, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, you, you know you have the love of God when you are displaying the love of God. So you know you have the love of God when you're putting that love on display in loving others. Love is the overflow of joy that gladly meets the needs of others. And so that's a, another difference that his love will make in our life. Not only no fear, but also that we will love one another. We will look for opportunities to be able to reach out and help people that are all around us. And here's the third thing, is that it makes God visible. So no fear, we will love one another, and it makes God visible. It makes God visible. So what difference will his love make in my life? It makes God visible. Look at verse 12 of our text, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That's a, that is 
beautiful because he's he just saying, hey, we put on display God when we love one another. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus told his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Next weekend, we're gonna talk about overcome the world, 1 John 5, 1 through 13, as we continue to work our way through 1 John Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's just take a moment and pray. Father God, we are so thankful that your love for us is not based on our performance, our emotions, or our circumstances, but on the gift of your Son who bore our sins and gives us a life in him that is beyond our wildest dreams. So we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior and want to dwell in him by making our home in his love as we are more and more sensitive to the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. May your perfect love chase away all of our fears and fill us with love for one another, making you our indescribably great God and unimaginably good God visible to this lost and dying world. We pray that you would would put a stop to the spread of this coronavirus and protect the, the desert breeze, family and friends from it. But most importantly, draw our hearts back to you in repentance and faith and may we abound in hope in Christ despite our circumstances. We pray these things in our Savior's beautiful name and everyone said amen. God bless you guys. Love you very much.